Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. And my name is Rick Sweet. This is the podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for this 400 show is Dr. Sarah Butler. <laughs> King George III Professor of English History at Ohio State University, who will be talking with us about her article, More Than Mothers, Juries of Matrons and Pleas of the Belly in Medieval England. Our history buffs are Brett Bernard and Gary Toppler. Gary, you get to start us off this time. All right, thank you. Yeah, Sarah, could you give us um, um, the time period for when Pleas of the Belly began? Like, who was reigning in England at that time? Um, so most of the stuff that I was looking at is 14th and 15th centuries. Um, and 14th centuries, we've got all the Edwards in there. The three Edwards are in there in a row. Um, however, I mean, this is definitely something that I think goes back a lot further, um, especially because that taboo about pregnant women, um, it, it's definitely in all of the earlier law codes as well, even if they're not necessarily talking about executing women, they're talking about respecting pregnant women. So I would hazard a guess that we could say this goes back even into the early Middle Ages, like the ninth and 10th centuries. Okay. Um, Brett? Do we have any records of women uh, who knew they were facing trial uh, going out and trying to get pregnant? So I don't have anything that specific, but I will tell you for a later period, we actually have judges telling women it would be a great idea to go back to prison and try and get pregnant and then come back for trial later. <laughs> so, yeah. so Sarah, I have that, to, I have to ask, how exactly did that work? If I go back to jail, are there a lot of jailers who are suddenly finding that this is a that there are some unexpected perks to the job, or what's going on here? So, I think it helps that they don't have individual cells, and even women were not necessarily always segregated in prison from men. Um, it, you know, sometimes they were kept in slightly different areas, but like the women had to walk through the men's area to get to a bathroom. I mean, it was there's very it's very easy to spend time together um, with other people while you're in prison. But it does also seem like some of these women, because there were never that many women in prison at a time, I think many of them actually did end up having relationships with jailers. Um, I've come across a really great case of a jailer who got in trouble because he let a pregnant woman go. And then um, another sheriff who moved a pregnant woman right into his house and people got upset because they knew that she had been convicted and they were just waiting for her to give birth, but they kept seeing her wandering around town when she was supposed to be in prison. <laughs> so, so Sarah, you're telling us that jail in uh, medieval England was not a fun, pleasant place to to be. Well, I, you know, I think it really depended actually on how much money you had because you had to pay for all your accommodations, and certainly if you're very well off, you could actually pay to get a really nice bed 
and a drawing room with manservants because, of course, if you are well off, you probably don't know how to serve your own meals or, you know, get your clothes on. Sarah, that that leads me to the question that that's been bouncing around in my mind since you were talking about, um, you know, in general, what's the social scale of the the folks who are being convicted? Because, for example, you talked about treason during the radio segment. Treason mm-hmm. is is something that, in general, is a almost exclusively. Um, upper class kind of of charge. So mm-hmm. do we have a lot of upper class women in this category? Is it a, a lot of folks kind of in the, the peasant variety and just, you know, every once in a while? So, so give us some sense of social class of women who were finding themselves in this situation. I think most of them were peasants of sort of a middling variety. And actually, even those women who were accused of treason, because it was generally um, counterfeiting of money, which also included coin clipping, uh, you know, clipping off the edges of the coins so that you could melt it down and make more coins. Because it included things like that, you know, you didn't actually have to be an upper class person really to be a traitor in this period. Um, Their their definition of treason was expansive enough that the lower classes could also get involved. (laughs) Sarah, I I have a question. This goes back to the broadcast version. We talked about matrons uh, qualifications and we talked about midwives. Uh, what is the difference between matrons and midwives? Were midwives matrons or matrons midwives? What, how do you distinguish between the two? I think that um, a matron is a term that you use specifically when they are getting involved with the law. So I was talking um, in this paper chiefly about uh, midwives who were called in when we have convicted felons who say that they are pregnant. But you can also have um, midwives called in to act as matrons in a number of other instances. So, for example, if a woman claims to have been raped, somebody needs to uh, do some sort of a physical examination in order to make sure that her allegation is legitimate. So that's one of those instances when matrons get called in. Um, if In the church courts, if um, a couple is suing for divorce on the grounds of the man's impotence, you need a jury of matrons to come in and make sure his equipment is really not functioning. And I will say one might think that those could be some really fun records to look at. For the most part, those are really not fun. They are very (laughs) scary when we discover the sort of farming accidents that these poor men have been through um, that prevent them from engaging more closely with their wives. Um, And another instance, if they find any sort of uh, neonaticide, you know, a small uh, recently born child that has been abandoned and has died, then the matrons are called in to figure out who in the community gave birth to that child. So they'll wander around from house to house, squeezing breasts to see who is lactating. Okay. Huh. Brett. Well, so you talked a little bit about uh, the infertility trials. I imagine that's not fun for for anybody. I, I, I no, can I... imagine <laughs> that being surrounded by the, the women of the town might give uh, some individuals a little bit of performance anxiety. <laughs> 
I know. That's what I'm always left thinking. I, I mean, sorry, again, it's like, well, we'll just see if you guys can do this. It shouldn't be hard. Could anybody perform with an audience like that? <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I will say, I think that sex often was not happening in the most private of scenarios in the Middle Ages anyways. Right. You know, families usually had one bed, everybody hops in. And so parents are clearly having sex in the same bed that their kids are sleeping in. Otherwise, they wouldn't have more kids. But even still, it was just going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> well, but, but there's a difference between that and having, you know, seven or eight women of, of the town. Yes. <laughs> all, all, all staring at you in... A well-lit mm. room. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine. And actually, when they talk about that happening, it usually took place in the ale house, which, again, can we get more uncomfortable? <laughs> right. <laughs> hmm. Public humiliation. Yeah, I was going to say, exactly. that that adds a whole nother meaning to the concept of public house. <laughs> yes. yes, it does. <laughs> Terry, do you have another question? Yes. I do. Yeah. Sarah, did the idea of please of the belly, did it make it across the ocean to colonial America? Do we see any um, ideas of that? Thank you. Yes, it did. And actually, um, this is something that goes on well into the 20th century. Um, This and juries of matrons. And it becomes a much much greater deal, obviously, um, as people start worrying even more about the inhumanity of execution over time. Um, So, yeah, I mean, this really continues right up until the point where they abolish executions um, in Britain. And honestly, I'm assuming that even today, if a woman is on death row, there's no way they are going to execute her if she is pregnant. Granted, I think you said on death row for like 20 years now. Right. So that changes things. (laughs) Exactly. All right, uh, Rick, I'm going to let you have the last question. Okay, Sarah, uh, since I'm a law school dropout many, many decades ago, I'm curious, the pleas of the belly, was was this something instituted in the the medieval period through uh, royal decree, or is it considered common law? Ah, so that is a really good question. Um, I mean, I don't see anything in the statutes about this. Instead, this is something that comes in through practice of the law. So yes, one would assume that, again, this is is custom that became common law over time rather than imposed by the king. All right. We would like to thank our guest for this 400th show, Dr. Sarah Butler, King George III Professor of English History, who talked to us about More Than Mothers, Juries of Matrons, and Pleas of the Belly in Medieval England. The history buffs for today's show were Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALAHD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio, all one word, in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.